And, um, but, and I could hear the pastor in my ear binding and rebuking this demonic spirit and demanding that it has to leave. And she was standing in her authority. And there was a, a part of me that was just a little like concerned for what was happening to me and just basically praying myself in my own head, like, Lord, set me free, set me free. And um, before you know it, um, you know, he did. And I, I remember just my back just sort of rolling back and my head going back and then just like a release. And it came out through the mouth gate. It was just sort of like a, like an air came out. And um, that was just a huge supernatural experience. So when I when I got up from the ground, uh, I was I, I could tell that I felt light. The lights seemed really bright to me. Um, I was just pretty much just in awe of the Lord for um, what just took place. Didn't really know my, my mind was all over the place, but um, I you know I sat back down in the pews and I I went home that night forever changed. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rooted in Christ podcast. My name is Eric Stevens. I'm the founder of Redwood Christian Ministries. And today I am on location at New Life Church in Lakewood, Ohio. My favorite church, if I do say so myself. I'm a little biased. Lakewood. (laughs) We might be a little biased. That's okay. That's okay. With me today is the leader of the Ohio Revival Hub for Supernatural Life Ministries, Crystal Williams. How are you doing today? I'm doing amazing. There we go. That is a mouthful of a title for me. So how did I do? You did awesome. Okay, okay. Leader of the Ohio Revival Hub Supernatural Life Ministries. Okay, I got it. Spot I got on. it. There we go. There we go. So I'm just going to ask out the gate, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? So I am over the, the hub for Ohio. So it's a hub and spoke ministry, and there are hub leaders over every state in the United States, as well as across countries. So some leaders are over the state, some are regional leaders, and some leaders are over countries. So for me, I'm the leader over Ohio. So anyone that is looking to get involved in the Supernatural Life Ministries would enlist under the Ohio Revival Hub. So I oversee that ministry. And what that involves, it's it's just like any other ministry, right? There's there's discipleship, there's uh, teaching of the word, there's um, fellowship. We, we get together and we do outreach. We've done water baptisms at Lake Erie here okay. in Ohio. So um, it, it's community. It, it really means a lot. So um, I think what's special about the Supernatural Life Ministry is it connects folks from all over the world. Oh, wow. They have an opportunity to, to, to basically um, just learn and work alongside of other folks that have uh, all different levels of their spiritual walk with the Lord. So you're, it's the iron sharpening iron. Um, you have folks that are um, able to teach you on uh, topics like deliverance, which we're going to get into later okay. on the radio show, on the podcast. Um, Close enough. We're going. And, um, <laughs> and, you know, uh, those that move in the prophetic okay. and those gifting. So we're able to edify each other through a lot of teaching in the ministry. And it's just really cool to, to meet people from all across the globe that um, otherwise you may not have met. So how long have you been doing that? I've been doing this now for about a year. Okay. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. So it's not just one thing. Like they they have all kind of ministries and programs all over the United States. Oh, yeah. It, okay. It, not only over the United States, but even in other countries. Okay. So, yeah, they're... Um, 
like right now they were just in the UK. They have a hub in the UK. They have hubs in Australia, um, uh, Asia. I mean, they're, they're all over. It, it's really amazing to see how this ministry has just blown up. And Dan Adams was a cage fighter, right? Is that correct? Yes, he was. Actually, that was one of the primary reasons why I really was interested in Daniel. Um, so I, I went through a dry season where I was looking for uh, folks that were really into the supernatural, um, because that's where my roots are. And uh, so I, I came across some videos from Daniel Adams, and I, I learned that that was his basically his testimony, is that he was a cage fighter. And you probably know, well, you you know me enough to know that I was into like the fitness boxing and watching MMA fights and things like that in my time. So like that was exciting to me. And um, so to know that this was also a big part of his past um, just sort of drew me in. And so what I learned about Daniel is that Yes, he was a cage fighter. Um, he was really close to making it big time um, in his career. And uh, the father basically showed him his heart and said, you know, you're a lover, not a fighter. So, you know, I need you on my team. So he walked away from a pretty big career in MMA fighting to go into full-time ministry. It clearly, if this is a world world-renowned, world-known ministry, God blessed his obedience, right? I mean, so, no, good props to him for that. Props to him for that. And so he uses, I'm guessing, his voice and his social media platform to spread this this message, I'm assuming now. Yeah, so um, what I know about Daniel is, is when he was a young man, he started in ministry, and uh, he knew the Lord even when he was a, a cage fighter. Um, but from my understanding, he was... He was in ministry, but he wasn't mature in the faith yet. So there were times where he would, you know, and he's very open publicly about his testimony as far as times where he made some pretty bad mistakes throughout ministry. And because he didn't have that maturity yet, so he, the anointing was already on his life. And, um, but he, he didn't have that wisdom yet. So um, in that, as we, discussed. He he came out of that. The Lord started to pull him more into full-time ministry. He was basically given a prophetic dream where the, the Holy Spirit showed him himself with uh, sitting there with a bunch of t televisions where it was like the America's Funniest Video. And he was basically in this prophetic dream telling him that I'm going to use you on a platform. It's not going to be television like the televangelist, if you will, but we're going to use social media and we're going to show the world my glory. So he's like, okay, God, let's do this. So he was already uh, an evangelist. Um, he was he had dabbled in like Ronnie Beinhart's um, uh, school of evangelism. Was uh, in the the uh, the leadership that he was under in his um, local ministry was really big on evangelism. So that's really where he got his start was evangelism. And uh, so he would go out in the highways and byways in the local parks and just minister to folks and love on them with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would move. So he just started taking his cell phone along with him and capturing that on his phone and then sharing it on social media. So you could see his older videos where they were just, you know, cell phone quality and how things have evolved over time with, th with that ministry. But he asked uh, another thing about Danny Adams that a lot of people don't know is he had his own church as well called Next Level Christianity, where he was the pastor of that church. Um, and then probably about, it's been less than a year, 
um, the Lord gave him another prophetic vision, basically, that this ministry is going to be outside the church, uh, no longer in the four walls. So he provided a, an RV, and Daniel has been traveling. It, it seems like every other week he's going to another state, or he's going overseas to basically bring revival. And that's that's how the Lord's using him right now. And every revival that he does is recorded, and it's aired on social media platforms so that you're not just seeing the move of the Holy Spirit, but you're also getting the ministry that he's doing while he's there. So he is ministering the gospel. Um, he is giving a lot of good spiritual meat as he's ministering to, to folks as he's out there. And it, it's it's pretty amazing. And, of course, it's, you know, it is a social media platform. So he, he edits them. He clips them. He cuts it down. He really, if there um, was a mighty move of the Holy Spirit where deliverance is taking place or healing um, or one getting their prayer language through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he will hone in on that and, and clip it so that viewers that are interested in seeing certain videos can can see that as well. But there's just definitely more to Daniel Adams' ministry than just um, some of the videos. If you're just perusing Daniel Adams or Supernatural Life, um, he, he, they're really doing a lot. They're starting a prison ministry. They've started a youth ministry. Um, it, it's really... Um, making its way into something really amazing. No, thank you for sharing all of that. And you said before you got involved in that, there was a dry season. But so let's go all the way back then. And let's just start at the beginning of your story, because you have a powerful testimony. And that's one of the main reasons I wanted to sit down and talk to you today was to be able to have you share your story with with the audience. So where did you grow up? Where are you from? Give us some of your some of your background. Yeah, so I'm I'm born and born and raised Cleveland native, um, so I've been here uh, in the local area my whole life. Um, my background, as far as uh, Christianity, I was for the most part raised in the church. Um, as far as uh, you know, going to church with my my mother, um, going a lot with my grandmother. Um, I consider myself to be like a, a Baptist Pentecostal mix, um, because my my parents would take me to Pentecostal churches when we had transportation. Sometimes that was an issue. Um, but uh, when there was a time when we didn't have transportation or my parents weren't uh, doing well, um, I went through a, a local ministry, Baptist ministry. It was Madison Avenue Baptist Church, actually, um, here in the Cleveland area, and they had buses that would pick up the children. So um, I got a lot of the word in me. You know, we had the Awanas Club as a child that I was a big part of where um, the word was just deeply rooted in me. Um, my grandmother and my mother, um, they were probably the two biggest influencers in my life as far as um, Christianity. I I would go to Pentecostal churches with them where deliverance was a part of the ministry. Um, so as a, a young child, seven, eight years old, I was seeing deliverances. Um, and if you know anything about deliverances, they're not pretty. Um, so uh, you can imagine a child sitting there in a pew while someone a few feet away from them is um, expelling a, a demonic spirit. Um, so I witnessed that as a child growing up. So it wasn't anything... Um, spooky to me. I, it was just like, this is this is God, right? This is how God moves. This is what God does. There's evil spirits in the world, and some, some, sometimes people have them, and um, they need to be expelled, and it takes the power of God to do that. So 
Um, I uh, walked with the Lord pretty closely as a child, um, would walk to school talking to the Lord, would lay in bed at night talking to the Lord. My mother invested in a lot of uh, materials for me to learn the Word through books and uh, cassette tapes, and um, I had my own Bible, and so I, I was um, very close to the Father. Um, but when I hit my teenage years, that's when things started to change. Um, parents stopped going to church through spiritual warfare in our home. Um, I um, needed to feel a sense of acceptance, so I was I started hanging around the wrong crowd. Um, and through that, I basically started to find myself into um, a world of sin, essentially. I, I like to call it my years of um drug, sex, and rock and roll, essentially. So that was really being introduced into my life. Um, I see, looking back now, I can see how the enemy strategically was bringing certain friends into my life, attracting me to certain things, a lot of influences that I had around me. And that's where I um, ended up uh, really indulging in the enemy's camp. And through that brought myself under uh, spiritual bondage and um, went through hell, literally. Um, and had to fight my way out. And luckily, you know, I had those those roots as a child. So whenever things got really deep, I knew where to go to seek um, freedom. And that was through a ministry called All Nations Deliverance Ministry. And uh, that's a house of God um, over on the east side of Cleveland, uh, Maple Heights area. And um, so when I was seeking that freedom, I, I went to that church and uh, the anointed woman of God in the house, Gwendolyn, uh, Pastor Gwendolyn McCurry. And uh, I went there and um, said, I, I believe I'm dealing with demonic oppression and I need, I need freedom. And she began to pray for me. And, um, and I really, I, that was the first time I encountered the Lord supernaturally. Um, so I, I had seen a lot, um, but having your own encounter is something completely different. Um, so in that, there was a full-blown manifestation um, that happened. I I remember, um, you know, sort of falling to the ground. I remember rolling around, sort of, um, you know, like hissing sounds, things that were not of my own, my body, like, kind of contorting in certain ways. Um, I can hear the pastor. It's like, I'm there. But my body sort of like this, the spirit had manifested and was, had taken over, but I was still there, still very much coherent. And, um, but, and I could hear the pastor in my ear binding and rebuking this demonic spirit and demanding that it has to leave. And she was standing in her authority. Um, and there was a, a part of me that was just a little like concerned for what was happening to me and just basically praying myself in my own head, like, Lord, set me free, set me free. And, um, before you know it, um, you know, he did. And I, I remember just my back just sort of rolling back and my head going back and then just like a release. And it came out through the mouth gate. It was just sort of like a, like an air came out and, um, that was, and that was just a, just a huge um, supernatural experience. So when I when I got up from 
the ground, uh, I was, I, I could tell that I felt light. The light seemed really bright to me. Um, I was just pretty much just in awe of the Lord for, um, what just took place. Didn't really know my, my mind was all over the place, but, um, I, you know, I sat back down in the pews and I, I went home that night forever changed. Um, what I can share about, uh, deliverance is when you're in demonic bondage and torment, it it's, looks different for a lot of people, but you have thoughts that sort of torment your mind on a daily basis, just things that maybe you're fixating on, anxious, anxi- anxiety thoughts, maybe thoughts of anger, thoughts of bitterness, thoughts of, um, it could be perversion, whatever the case may be. It's just things that b- bombard your mind. And what really stood out to me was the next day when I was at home, things were quiet. They were peaceful. My mind was at peace. The The bombardment of thoughts just were not there. And I just remember realizing, wow, so that whatever that was, that demonic spirit that left me, it, it changed my whole way of thinking, my mindset. So that means that those thoughts that I had that I carried with me that were tormenting to me were not of my own. But I was in agreement with those thoughts because I thought they were my own, right? So this thing has obviously been with me for some time. So as these spirits are sort of the battlefield of the mind and speaking into your mind, you think that it's your own thoughts. And it was pretty evident to me in that moment that um, how powerful these demonic beings are. So you knew the Lord growing up. And then you said in your teenage years, you, you walked away, yeah. getting involved in, obviously, you know, in a, in, a, in a worldly lifestyle. And I'm totally paraphrasing right now because you said a lot of powerful things. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so how long was it from the time that you walked away to the time that you were delivered at this church in Maple Heights? About 15 years. So I was about 13 years old when I, I would say I was further away from Christ and falling more into the world. Um, through music, video, uh, MTV was a big thing back then. I don't know if you remember that. I do. <laughs> I just play a young adult on TV. I don't actually tell people my real age. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, MTV was a big thing. Oh my gosh, just the excitement to the videos on, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, so music was a big influence in my life. Um, my parents were big sci-fi buffs. They were really into a lot of supernatural movies about vampires and werewolves and things that involved witchcraft. Um, you know, all those things are influences to our eye gate and ear gate. Um, I can remember the uh, televised psychics were a big thing back then. Um, so that was big in the late eighties and that. How far away from the mic am I right now? That was big in the in the late eighties and early nineties. I mean, it was huge. Yeah. So I, I can remember my aunt allowing me to dial in and talk to psychics, and uh, so I would, whether they were true psychics or not, I was coming into agreement with the spirit realm of psychics. Um, you know, we played games as kids that were of the you know witchcraft in nature, uh, seances. Um, I never did anything like Ouija boards, thank goodness, but um, some stuff we played as kids. There was this game called Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board, stuff like that that um, kids are interested in. 
And um, so there, there was just like slowly things that were being introduced in my life. Then boys came into play and smoking pot and drinking and just looking forward to Friday nights to go to the bar when I got a certain age, um, you know, being promiscuous outside of marriage. Um, all those things um, were I, I wasn't living a godly lifestyle, that's for sure. So I was 28 at the time that I had this supernatural encounter. So, and you know, so I always tell you your testimony is for someone else. So I'm just going to, I'm going to press into that just a little bit, a little bit more. How was the enemy able to operate in your life, even though you, you had Christ in your heart? Like how, how was that possible? Well, one thing that the Holy Spirit is showing me through the word, um, is how important it is to not give place to the enemy. Because even as a Christian believer, I know this is a controversial statement, Christians cannot have demons, but even as a Christian believer, if we give place to the, the enemy, we're giving him legal grounds. You can have the Lord in your heart and be a born-again believer, but playing the enemy's camp, you're going to get burned. You're, you're allowing him into your home now. You're allowing him into your temple now. So, you know, I, Satan doesn't play fair. He doesn't play by the rules. So, you know, when we provide open doors, he's going to take full advantage. So that was something that I have been seeing through Scripture. If you really study the, the word through a lens to see how the enemy can have access to a Christian, it's you see repeatedly Jesus himself. You see the, uh, the apostles that wrote the epistles, you know, Paul, basically making sure that we know how important it is to live a pure and holy lifestyle and to be obedient to the Father. And it's through our disobedience that the enemy gains foothold and can bring you into bondage. Just like we saw the Israelites repeatedly going back under bondage, they were God's chosen people. They were called, called to be set apart, but they were constantly going back into bondage. A Christian can bring go back into bondage if they're not careful. So I'm going to I'm going to ask this question. So if someone said to you, what does deliverance mean or what is deliverance? Mm -hmm. And then what is required for deliverance? What would you say? So what what deliverance is and the spiritual sense is one that is in bondage to a demonic oppressive spirit. There's different types of oppressive spirits. Sometimes it's spirits of infirmity that can bring sickness upon the body. There's oppressive spirits that usually it's any form of bondage. We're not talking about a situation where a person watched a pornography video and now they have a demon. It's usually once there's a, a like an addiction formed, a form of bondage where the person probably is struggling with that thing but can't seem to get free from it. There's probably a spirit behind it and they're in bondage to it. So that's where deliverance takes comes into place where by the power of the Holy Spirit and through a Christian believer standing on their authority is able to expel that demon from the individual. And what is required is repentance. Um, I see the most effective deliverances when you have a broken and contrite heart before the Lord. You have a true heart of repentance and you're saying, Father, take this from me. I realize that I, I have sinned against you. I no longer want this in my life. I'm coming out of agreement with this thing, I no longer want it anymore, and I need you to, to take it from me. And that is 
and also make sure you don't have any unforgiveness. Remember, the enemy doesn't play fair, so he's looking for legal ground. So if you're harboring unforgiveness in your heart, he's going to try to hold on to that for a reason to stay. Um, If you're not truly repentant, you're sort of halfway like, well, I know I don't want to do this, but at the same time, I secretly really like my sin. Believe it or not, there's a lot of people that um, like their demons. Um, I've been doing it through my experience with the deliverance ministry. I've, I've met people that have shared testimonies of, I've, I've had these demons, they've given me power. Um, a seductive woman is a form of power. She's been able to kind of get her way through seduction and men just, you know, have been able to, you know, just sort of gravitate, kind of give her what she wants. And so she's used that as a form of power. So she's been walking in a spirit of seduction. And to come out of that, you know, may may bring fear. Oh, I'll no longer just kind of have that power over men where I get my way all the time. So I don't know if I want to let this demon go. Um, like in the scriptures, we've learned about the, the woman that... Um, it was the the king that used her basically as a fortune teller, so it brought him profits. Um, those are spirits give the, in the demonic realm. There are spirits that provide something for a person, so they don't always want to come out of agreement with that if they feel like it's giving them some type of power, or it has brought their lifestyle some type of. Um, Meaning, you know, it's it's like a personality trait, a character trait, something that they've brought on through the enemy's camp that they may not want to let go of. So we know repentance means obviously to turn away from. Mm-hmm. But how much of that deliverance also has to be, OK, I want this gone. I don't want to do this anymore. or I want this out of me. Or how, how much of that is a part of the deliverance process as well? I would say the hungrier you are when you come to the father the more successful that deliverance is going to be. Hunger is a big factor. One, I I think it's important for people to know that deliverance is available today. We see it in the scriptures all through the gospels of many folks and children, not just adults, but children being delivered from demonic spirits. We see examples like uh, the men amongst the tombs that were cutting themselves with rocks. Um, out of his mind, couldn't be, uh, uh, you, you couldn't ar- arrest the man, just had a supernatural strength, right? He was, he was demon, extremely demonized. That's the, the man that uh, when Jesus, in, in one gospel it says, it, was, it speaks of the man, and then another gospel talks about there was two men. So, um, but in that, uh, in that story, Jesus is coming across the sea, and when he sees the, the man that's out of his mind, he says, um, you know, who are you? And the man responds, we are legions for we're many. And um, that man, as Jesus casted those demons out of him, um, they negotiated. There was a negotiation process. Hey, you know, if you cast us out, can you cast us into the belly of the pigs that were up on the cliff? And so, you know, Jesus in his wisdom said, okay, that's fine. Go ahead. So they, they go into the belly of the pig and the pig's run off the the cliff, basically, they drowned and die. So at this point, the demons have to go out into the dry places. In the scriptures, it talks about this man who was out of his mind, 
no clothes on, cutting himself with rocks, lives amongst tombs, is now sitting there in his right mind after Jesus casted those demons out of him. So to me, that's a prime example of mental health. There are some mental health issues that are clinical. Some are spiritual, some are both. So, but we can't negate the spiritual aspect of mental health, of depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, schizophrenia, bipolar. I mean, that's there's a perfect example of that in that particular uh, story in the Gospels of the man that was out of his mind, and after the demons were casted out, he was in his right mind. It says that specifically in the scriptures, and Jesus had him go out and share his testimony. Like I said, there's children that have been delivered, um, throwing themselves in the fire through epileptic episodes, um, being a lot of torment in that sense. That's why it's important sometimes to speak life, not sometimes, to speak life over situations. Because I've had people say things like this to me, well, this runs in the family, or yes. Eric, this runs in your family, or your uncle or aunt had this so you're likely to get this too and my response usually don't speak that over me because no. we have sometimes you know the, like it's just like not accepting that prognosis or not accepting okay i i understand and empathize that happened to them but I, i'm not gonna receive that for me amen amen uh you know when you mentioned that it, it quickly brought to my mind that there are spiritual bloodline types of issues, if you will, that also a lot of folks don't talk about. So when you think about a family line that isn't following after Christ, um, how much sin has been propagated through the family and where perhaps some of this could be sickness and disease. You know, we think of things like diabetes, cancer, heart disease. Um, those are we weren't designed to be sick, right? We, we were never designed to be sick. We were made to be in God's image. But over time in this flesh, we've, sickness has been brought onto our bodies and they've been inherited through our bloodline. So you'll hear things like, oh, well, our, our, it's in our family bloodline that we have diabetes and heart disease. Uh, well, like you said, we're not going to claim that, right? Um, so we can, we can break off generational curses through standing on what Jesus did on the cross, Everything he did happened at that cross. Just like we're healed by his stripes, we're free from curses, but we have to speak it over ourselves. We have to pray it over ourselves. We have to know that we have the power through the blood to say, no more, it stops here. I'm, I'm the one, the sacrificial lamb in this family that have, has given my life to Jesus Christ, and I'm going to stand on the word. I'm going to stand on the blood, the power that happened in the blood, so that I can break these curses off of my family. Other things outside of physical sickness is uh, nobody in my family seems to be able to stay married. Everyone ends in divorce. Um, everybody in my family has depression. I mean, now you're really starting to see patterns. Why? What, what are these patterns coming from in these families? Uh, every, you know, every, uh, all the men in our family are alcoholics. Well, why is that? There, there could be a bloodline spirit behind that that needs to be broken and and it can be done through the blood of jesus christ you, you touched on something earlier too about being in bondage it's hard to res and you actually 
you, I got this from you. You talked about how hard it, you can't do it, how it's impossible to resist something when you're in bondage to it. You're already trapped. Yeah. You're already in the trap. It already has you. So how are you resisting something that already has you? That can be a trick in itself. Mm -hmm. So um, I've been using that in my classes lately. So so oh, thank you for awesome. that. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Now everyone knows where I got it from. <laughs> You've quoted several scriptures, referenced several scriptures, told a few Bible stories since we've been on here. So how important is it for the believer to be in their word and know what the word of God says about them? Oh my gosh, I, I I think about Jesus, right? When he was in uh, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and we know that the enemy came to tempt him on every hand. And how did he resist the enemy? It was through the word. He said, every time he responded to Satan, he said, it is written. So he stood on the word of truth when he spoke back to Satan. And Satan knows the word probably better than any Christian walking the earth, right? So he's going to bring enough of the word to you, but he, you know how Satan is, he twists just enough to try to bring, right. um, you know, uh, lies into the mix. So you have to know your word so that when the enemy is coming with his lies, if there's a false prophet, a false teacher, or any type of false teaching that you can discern right away the truth. I think when we as Christians are not in the word, and knowing it and living it, we're surrendering our power because knowing it can obviously deprive an arrogance, but living it out and walking in that wisdom, if that's it's that's we're walking in that authority, we're walking in that power and you can't walk in something you don't know what it is. If you don't know what you have, it's hard to walk in it. It can easily be distorted and twisted and taken from you Absolutely. or manipulated in this case. Absolutely. And in addition to that, it's our... It's a manual for you to really have insight into the Father and understanding the foundation of who we are. You know, getting back to the Old Testament, it, it tells our story about where it all started, where the, you know, the covenant promise came in with Abraham, uh, everything that happened through the men and women of God and how their stories always point back to Jesus. You see Jesus in everything. So, and then as you continue to learn about the attributes of God, it, you begin to, it deepens that relationship with him. And then you also start to, to go into a level of really understanding the call that's on our life. The call for every man and woman and child is in the word. And so when you're, you're really looking for that deep, rich meaning of of who you are and who God is, you're going to find it in the Word of God. If you don't go to into the Word, you're 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 sort of flying blind, in a sense. I tell people this too because sometimes, like you hear those things of, like we said before, uh, it's always this way, or it's always going to be this way, or this person in my family had high cholesterol, or I'm never going to be able to do this. It's like, but did, did the Word say that about you? Did Jesus say that about you? Because if that's not the case, you don't have to put those clothes on. Like you don't have to accept that prognosis. You don't have to accept that quote unquote truth that whatever that is about you that, oh, you're never going to amount to anything. No, you need to say you're more than a conqueror. Absolutely. Or I, I just, I can't do this. Well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, it's always going to be this bad. Well, God works all things together for the good of those who love him. You know, it's 
there's always an opposite. There's always a response yes. to, to that. So yes. speaking to that thing, it's, it is written just like you're saying, just right. being able to combat those negative thoughts, any thought that may come in from the enemy or even just your own flesh that rises up against you, being able to speak the word of truth. So though I, I have an idea, I'm curious what, what you're going to, what you're going to say. So how important is a consistent prayer life in the life of a believer to you personally? Yeah. So, so prayer, um, is, it's really, for me, it's communion with the father. It's, it's somewhat just like how you and I are right now. It's having conversation. It's communing with him. It's, it's a way, it's a part of the abiding. So I know we've talked a lot about um, in our personal conversations about abiding in the Lord, abiding in Christ. And that is, you know, when you learn about the abiding, you learn about um, the vine and how by being connected to the vine, you're going to bear fruit. Being connected to the vine, you're going to go through a pruning process. But the only way to really abide in the father is to stay in his word so that you're constantly eating the word, right? We can't live by bread alone. We need to live by the word of God. We need to be in communion with the father by being in prayer with the father. If you, if you have your prayer language, that's, that's awesome to pray. You know, it's praying in tongues. That's an amazing way to spiritually connect with the father on a, a deeper level. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's through prayer, it's through fasting, it's through discipline, it's through obedience, all of those things. Um, but when I think about prayer specifically, it's that time in the secret place. So it's it's that private time with you and the Father, where in that in those moments you're receiving from Him, you're being still, you're knowing that He's God, and and just being able to um, share your heart, um, share your desires, um, and those desires lining up with who he is and, and allowing him to come in. And, and there's cleansing taking place. There's healing taking place. There's, uh, you know, you're getting instruction and strategy from the Father. And, and it's just, it's the relationship. And without prayer... That the the whole abiding in Christ doesn't really work out as as well as it it needs to be. So this this podcast is is, is pre recorded like it's not going to air live like so it, we're not, we <laughs> I think it's crazy that we're well not crazy it's interesting that we're having this conversation on Halloween right now. <laughs> There's a bunch of people outside screaming and acting crazy while we're having this discussion. So. Yeah. It's and people who are listening. To this, some of the people who, because we're both leaders at New Life Church, some of the people here who are listening are going to hear me say this probably for the first time. I have actually been working hard to get six to eight hours of sleep a night now, versus my two to four that I usually was was getting. And a lot of it is because God gave me a specific time. He's like, I need you to get up in the morning and start your day out reading and praying and doing your devotionals. He gave me a specific time to set my alarm. Mm -hmm. It was plain as day. And I knew it was him because I started fighting him on it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I have the obedience is like right away. I'm like, great. Sometimes it's like, oh, I'm not a morning person. And I need to stop saying that because he's like, get up and start doing it. 
and my days have been different. I'm not saying they've all been easy, but I've noticed that my mind and the start of my day and throughout my day has been has been different. Um, because I usually would do all my devotional prayer time at night, typically for me, because I'm more in this current season, I'm more awake and alert at night. But now I'm doing it at both at both ends and I'm seeing the the difference. But he gave me a specific time and it's it's changed. It is really taking the fact I can see it. I can see it. Um so that that like you said, that time in the in the secret place is important. Absolutely. And having that scheduled time is important. So Yeah, absolutely. You you see that in the scriptures where um like Daniel had a, a, a scheduled time that he committed to the Father that he was going to spend time in prayer. Uh, folks would get on their rooftops because it was a personal, quiet place to get away and, and to pray. And they had scheduled time with the Father. There's watchmen that have certain times of the day, you know, every, you know, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 9 o'clock. They're, they're, God has called them to be watchmen to, to stand in prayer and intercession. So he, just like you said, he gives you a time. And at least for me, I, I've noticed same thing. It's the early hours. He wants your first fruits. Mm. That's good. That's good. I never thought, of, okay, I'm glad we're recording this so I can take notes on this, on this later. So this is a random question for me, especially since we just talked about how we're doing this on Halloween. How, how important do you think it is for Christians to study spiritual warfare and or demonology? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, I love this topic. So we are in a spiritual war. Um, no doubt since, since the fall of man, we've been in the spiritual war. So it, like anyone, if you were enlisted in the army today, you're going to be trained and, and to learn your enemy, right? So you're going to learn war strategies. You're going to learn how to use weapons of war. You're going to learn your enemy. You're going to learn their land, their ground. And um, you're going to learn things about their culture. You're going to learn everything about them, right? So in the spiritual sense, we need to do the same. We need to know our weapons of our warfare. We need to know our how to put on the full armor of God. And we need to know that, you know, when we talk about weapons of warfare, I'll tell you the, the best weapon of warfare is our praise and our worship. That's good. I mean, we, we can pray and we can shout at the devil and we can, I bind you and I rebuke you and you, <laughs> you know, and, and we can do all that, stand in our authority. But one of the things that the father has been showing me that is if, if we just praise and worship him, I mean, he's there, he's there. He knows everything we need. We were made to, to just love on him. So understanding that that's a whole nother topic in and of itself, but, um, really understanding the, your enemy, right? So, so that you can see the traps that he's setting up before you so that you can be ahead of his game. Um, demonology is, it's, it goes a little bit deeper. Um, it's an acquired taste, right? So not everyone can go into demonology, but, um, there are specific demons that are, are spelled out in the word like familiar spirits, um, for example, those are uh, f folks that operate in like uh, psychics and mediums. They operate through familiar spirits. And that's it's in the word. Just Google familiar spirits in scripture. You'll pull up scriptures. Those familiar spirits um, have the ability to uh, get information 
through, let's say we talked about bloodline um, spirits, right? So you have a spirit that's been in your family for years. They know pretty much everything about you and your family. And you're sitting there with a psychic that is operating through familiar spirits. That spirit's able to channel through spirits that have been in your family to get information about you. Um, They're familiar because they're familiar with things of, uh, you know, humanity as far as in the flesh and being able to go back and get that information and bring it to the person that's operating in those spirits. That's just one example. So understanding what is a familiar spirit, um, you know, spirits of Leviathan and, and other things that are in the word. So as believers, and how do we take authority over these things? Yeah. So one thing is, is knowing your identity in Christ. Um, we talked about being in the word. So you, you learn about, um, not only, you know, Jesus was the first one to come on the scene to actually have authority and dominion over demonic spirits. Right. So that was a new thing in the new Testament. And, um, so they were, I mean, they were just amazed by who is this man that has authority over demons. Right. And they were so perplexed by that. They started accusing him of probably operating out of Beelzebub of using a demon himself to cast out demons. But we know that, you know, Satan will not divide his own kingdom. Um, but, uh, so, you know, in the scriptures, Jesus sends out the, the, the 72 disciples in pairs of two. And they went out and they were also able to walk in the authority of Jesus Christ and cast out demons. That was a part of our commission because people are in bondage. They're in need of freedom. They need spiritual freedom. And this was one of the great miracles of Jesus Christ's ministry. So the 72 went out. They were casting out those demons. They came back and they were just in amazement. Wow, we went out. We saw so many demonic oppressed people and we were able to cast the demons obeyed. They obeyed us. We used the name of Jesus and they obeyed. And he said, that's great. I'm, you know, I'm happy, but I don't want you to focus on that. I want you to focus on the miracle of salvation. The fact that there are scribes and Pharisees that are walking in this religious spirit that are quick to condemn and, and cast the first stone. But the Father has chosen to, to use you, to show his glory through you, to bring this revelation to you. So he wanted them to be excited for, for just the honor, right? But, you know, we see deliverance happening in the scripture. We see the stories in the gospel. Um, so in, in that sense, you, you really need to understand that, you know, there is, there is a, a demonic world in the spirit realm that people can become oppressed it's not just like the movie The Exorcist where their heads are spinning around and, you know, pea soup is squirting out of their mouth. <laughs> you know, these are people that are walking amongst you and I right. every day that are struggling with some severe bondage and addictions, mental health issues, sicknesses in their body that need a touch from Jesus Christ that has the anointing to break the bondage. And it's through studying and understanding what deliverance is, understanding demons and how they operate in people's lives, that you'll be able to have that uh, uh, knowledge, right? The word says, my people perish for the lack of knowledge. So 
you need some knowledge on some things. It's okay to know you need some knowledge on some things. So it's okay, it's okay to do your research, right? We don't want to get caught up in a rabbit hole, right? So stay in your word. It's okay to complement the word with books. Just be careful. Um, but studying demonology, it, it's if you want to go into the deliverance ministry, you really need to know your opponent. By the way, part deliverance is a part of the Great Commission, right? So he says, all who are called by my name, right? You're you're to go out and lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. You're going to cast out demons, and you're going to you're going to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth, right? So you and I both are called to cast out demons. So when we see someone who is oppressed by a demonic spirit, to tell them you just need to resist the devil and he'll flee from you, which is something that has disappointed me greatly um, in in the Christian faith that I have experienced. And we talked about that earlier is that when a person is in bondage, when they're already at a point of bondage, you can't resist the enemy anymore. He's already broke down your walls. He's already came into the house. He's already hogtied you and you're tied up. There's no more resisting. You need someone that's going to come in and set you free, give you the armor of God that you need through discipleship, help you to understand who you are in Christ, help you learn how to abide in, in, in prayer and in the word of God so that you can have the word. And then once you're, you're strengthened, your spirit man is strengthened, then you can start because the, the enemy's going to come back, right? I mean, once you got set free, he, he's going to come back knocking on that door. He's going to want back in and right. he, and he's looking for the door to be open too, right? He wants to see if he can catch you slipping essentially. And so if, if he has a way back in, he's going to come in. Um, so you, the resisting, that's when the resisting really comes in is because, you know, now you can keep him at bay. Now you're going to fight him back with, it is written, Satan. Now you're going to come back when you see him tiptoeing around your home or your marriage or your children. You're going to stand and say, I rebuke you in the mighty name of Jesus. And you're going to get out of my home. You're going to leave my family alone because I stand in the authority of Christ. And um, so, yeah, yeah, that's. It's into the, the, the scripture story you told, we have to be all in for the person who gave the authority or who created the healing or gave the healing, not the actual miracle itself, mm-hmm. you know, cause we don't want to make an idol out of that too. Absolutely. So, so in case someone's listening, who may be a newer believer, how would you tell someone to go about finding their identity in Christ and working towards continual growth in their identity in Christ? Yeah. So your identity in Christ comes through that abiding that we talked about and through the word. The word is very important in understanding your identity in Christ. So for me personally, that's who, who I really figured out who I was. Um, because I, I started to see myself in the word of who he called me to be, how he called me to walk, how he called me to talk how he called me to govern my heart and how to guard my heart. Um, That is my identity. I was made in his image. I was not meant to have the 
the sin nature in my flesh. I wasn't made to to walk after Satan. Like Satan's not my father, right? So, you know, when I was living in a life of sin, uh, you know, cursing, you know, poor conversation, lifestyle, drinking, whatever I was doing, that was, I, I was marrying the image of Satan's kingdom, right? So in, in order to understand who you are in Christ, you need to, to understand God's attributes. You need to understand who, who was the person of Jesus Christ. What is the word telling us? That is what's going to shape. No, that's who I am. That's my identity. I, I need to be my father's daughter, right? I need to like father, like daughter. I want to look like him. That's who I am. And I have, through the Holy Spirit, I have the power to overcome my flesh. I have the power to overcome the enemy. So you start to be able to rein those things in. You start to be able to rein in the will. Because we have that sort of that, we have our own will and our own flesh that wants to fight against us. So there's there's so much that happens in what I call the crushing season, which that is also in the word, you see the wheat being cracked, you see the grapes being pressed, you see the olives being crushed, and Jesus uses those as parables, and it, it even goes all the way back to the Old Testament. You'll you'll just see this, you know, these teachings about, and and he uses those as prime examples of what happens when you. The closer you get to the Father, you're going to be cracked. You're going to be pressed and you're going to be crushed, right? So you can't turn water into wine <laughs> without obeying Jesus Christ. Did you catch that in the scriptures when Mary says, hey, we're running out of, of wine over here, son. I need you to turn this water into wine. He says, my time hasn't come yet. And she's like, ah, well, we need this wine. And he goes, okay, you know, but, but she tells the ones that are following, but you do everything he tells you to do. So it's, it's through that that our water turns into wine. It's through the pressing, the trampling on of the grapes that turns a grape into wine. So we all, he, he refers to the new wine. You hear about the anointing and the anointing oil. So when you learn about how, well, how, how does one make oil? Olive oil. There's trees that carry the, you know, the olive fruit that have to be beaten there's a process of beating the tree so that the the ripe olives fall. Right? I just I never knew that. I just learned something. <laughs> so you first you have to beat the tree, you know, and then that those olives fall. Then you you have to take them and you put them through a process of crushing them. So they're you they're in like a you, you set them on a stone and you bring down a press that crushes the olive. And what happens when you crush the olive is there's it, it, it removes the, the bitterness. The bitterness of the olive is removed through the crushing. And then once you've, you've crushed and it, the, uh, the, the oil runs down and through the crevices, basically, it, it pulls into a pan and becomes pure virgin olive oil. So when I think of, we, you know, we do things through prophetic acts where we'll anoint one with oil. But as we walk with the Father and we abide with the Father, we become the oil, right? So the scriptures often, when they refer to the oil, you were, it, we're speaking of the Holy Spirit. 
So that's why we're anointing the head with oil, oils and the lamps. You know, all those things are referring to the Holy Spirit. So everything in the natural, there's a symbolism in the spiritual. So yes, we're going to create holy oil. Yes, we're going to go to the altar. We're going to anoint people with oil. We're going to pray over them. But you yourself have to carry the oil. And there's types of oil, right? So you have an, uh, the abiding of the Holy Spirit that's in you at the moment that you receive Christ. The Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit on the inside of you is now working within you to bring edification to your spirit, man, to develop you and mature you into the ways of God. It is through the crushing that the oil now oozes out of you and is available, not just in you, but on you for others. So that's where you see the working of miracles. That's where you see the demons that see you coming and say, oh, I know Eric that start to scream when you come on the scene, just like they did in the Bible. So that when you lay hands, they are, those people are recovering and becoming healed because it's not your hands that are touching them. It's the Holy Spirit because you have now become so in one with the Spirit that, that he, is, he is walking so closely with you that when you lay your hands, that anointing is flowing and they're getting healed. You should teach a class on this, and I might recommend to the elders at New Life Church that they make that happen. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I give all the glory to God. He, yeah, he's been the best teacher. <laughs> so what? how would you define or explain intercessory prayer to someone? So intercessory prayer is, and when we're in, interceding, it's, it's on behalf of something. So we're going into, we're going into um, the secret place with the Father, and intercession prayer can look like a lot of things. I would say for most folks, they're on the level of interceding for loved ones. Could be their spouse, their children, covering their local church, um, and in that intercession, you're you're basically standing in the gap. You're saying, you know, Father, right now this person doesn't have the strength to pray for themselves, I'm, I'm praying for them. I'm covering them. I'm praying them through. I'm standing on your word. I'm declaring and decreeing some things. I'm praying the word, the promises of God. I am interceding on behalf of these people. There are people that are called to higher. They're, they may have higher callings in the spirit with the father. They may have, you know, they may be interceding for cities, states, governments, countries, school systems, you know, there's a call on their life. The Holy Spirit is bringing them to that place to be able to intercede. And we have to be careful to be led by the Spirit, right? We don't want to just, yay, I'm a Christian. I'm so excited. I'm going to start, you know, praying down strongholds over America and the American government, right? So we got to be careful because there's powers, principalities, and rulers of darkness. So that's why it's important to understand spiritual warfare is to know that you don't want to be calling on the big guy unless you've already been trained up, right? You don't want the, you know, that wasn't our call, right? Unless the Father really directs you to be in those places of intercession, just be careful. And I just say that for listeners who may be overzealous and just right away want to just start coming against some things. You, you, there's, there's strong principalities that you don't want to pick a fight with. We've been given the authority over demons that are in people, 
that he's going to set them free. And if he wants you to intercede on behalf of states and governments and things like that, he will lead you into that. You really have to to be um, led. And that doesn't mean you can't pray for the government or pray for, for wisdom or pray yes. for them to have guidance or to pray for things that you know are, hey, this isn't of God, you know, this, mm-hmm. whatever the case might be, that doesn't mean you can't still intercede and pray for them. You're, yeah, you're it's, saying. Yeah, it's, there's a, a level of um, interceding as far as praying, I guess, is like we would want to pray for our government, right? right? We want to do that. We want to pray for our leader, spiritual leadership, but we don't want to go into levels of spiritual warfare in that intercession, I guess, is a good way to clarify because um, I I have learned and in through the ministry that some folks will um, not only pray for them, but they'll try to take on higher level spiritual warfare that they need to be careful so you say, know what you're doing before you go to war. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Just wanted to clarify for anybody listening. <laughs> so how, what advice would you give to someone who needs to guard their heart in general, but then guard their heart, like you said, against harsh feelings or just resentment, anger, bitterness? How, how does that process, like what advice would you give? Because again, we're talking about deliverance, but then now we're also talking about, okay, well, how do we live new? So what advice do you give to someone who, okay, I need to guard my heart? Yeah. So a good way of, of guarding your heart is, um, well, one of the things that the Holy Spirit has taught me, and I, and I hope this helps someone, is that um, filtering everything through the fruit of the Holy Spirit. If if I'm feeling some kind of way and it, it doesn't line up with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it's not coming from my Father. If I if I'm feeling really bitter about something right in that moment or uh, resentful, that's not coming from my father. I, it, if I check my mind and my emotions through the fruits of the Holy Spirit, that's a quick way to nip it in the bud before it grows roots. Okay, wait a minute. Why am I feeling this way right now? Okay, so I need I need to just take a pause moment, pull myself together, even if I have to pray whatever I need to do, but just ask the Father to to help me see that person in love, to walk in peace, um, to have joy, you know, the joy that surpasses all understanding, right? We have access to that. It's a real thing. So if you're not walking in the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you have to take a pause and ask yourself, why? What is going on in me? Is there something that the Father, I need to take to the Father in the secret place, in the abiding, to have him prune me? Because there's something isn't right, um, and and some of it's just flesh, right? But but what's really important is um, not allowing it to take root. Um, so you know, if you entertain things a little too long, it goes from the mind into the heart. Once it becomes, once it's in the heart, it grows into something else. So you, if you take when you learn about sin, you learn that we have the sin nature in our flesh, right? So we were born with that. That's why a young child can easily tell a lie or steal something. And he was never taught to do so. Why? Because it's, 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 it's inherent in our flesh. So there, there's a difference between sin and there's a difference between um, trespasses. So trespasses is 
hey, uh, Crystal, when you leave here, don't steal my microphone, okay? And then I <laughs> and I know stealing your microphone's wrong, and I go, okay, I'm going to take this thing. It's really cool. <laughs> right? So I just trespassed. I knew it was a sin, and I just did it, right? Then you go to another level. It's called iniquity. That's whenever I'm sitting outside, and I go, as soon as Eric leaves tomorrow, I'm going up there, and I'm stealing the other microphone. <laughs> so now I'm in premeditated sin. Okay. I'm trying to figure out how I came to church and just got robbed. <laughs> that's crazy. So, so that's how things work when it comes to our hearts too. You know, it starts off with a thought and then it turns into, you know, it starts to grow some roots. And now we're, we, you know, we're, we're starting to dig ourselves into a deeper hole. And so we need to guard that heart before it gets there. So ways to guard your heart. It, it goes back to abiding in the secret place. If you're spending time with the father, those things aren't going to take root. It's almost impossible. You cannot be in the presence of God and not be affected by him. That's good. Through your prayer life, you know, you're constantly being humble before the Father. You know, you're able to to let those burden, you know, set those burdens down. Um, so prayer, that's why prayer is so important. Being in the word, washing our mind. You know, earlier you were asking me about deliverance. So there's... There's deliverance that there's a lot of deliverances that take place, right? So you have the demonic, uh, demonically oppressed that need to be um, delivered from demons, but there are some people that will experience deliverance just through the word, right? Just by replacing the lie with the truth, and those demons no longer have a legal right. They don't have, they don't have anything to live on anymore because the Christian believer has just come out of agreement with Satan and came into agreement with the truth with, with the father. So deliverance comes many ways. I know we got into a little bit more of the demonic because that's, I think something that needs to be talked about in the church again. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, those are ways to guard your heart, staying in the word so that you know the truth. So you can combat it, any lie with the written word, staying in prayer with the father. So you can lay those burdens down, um, just being in his presence. Right. Um, and, uh, and just being mindful, you know, filtering everything through the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And if you train yourself to see those flags, wait a minute, wait a minute, this ain't right. This ain't the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I mean, literally train yourself. You'll catch it so quickly that you'll nip it in the bud. That little weed that was growing, you'll be able to pluck out very quickly before your whole front yard turns into a bed of weeds. It, it amazes me how this is such a controversial topic when there's, if this was a movie, people watch it and they do. There's all kinds of stuff on, there's all kind of, I would just call them horror movies or scary movies, whatever the case might be. And it's like, we believe things when they're on screen, but we don't want to believe that we're in a spiritual fight 24 seven. You know, it just blows my mind sometimes that these things are so controversial, but yet we watch it on TV or we go to the movie theaters to watch it. We read books on it. You know, they buy T-shirts about it. But right. as soon as you say, I really, you might want to really think about what you're exposing yourself to. Now you're that spooky Christian in the corner who nobody wants to talk to. <laughs> right. Yeah. The weird Christian. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the radical Christian. Right. 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 Everything about Jesus was radical. Right. right? So wh why shouldn't we be radical? He loved radically. Mm -hmm. When he was getting crucified, he offered salvation to the person that's left and to his right. 
he asked God to forgive the people for they know not what they do. That's radical. And he was, they knew he was innocent. And I remind me that all the time. They knew they were crucified an innocent man and an army that was experts in torture. They knew what they were doing. He asked them, he asked the father to forgive, to forgive them. them. That's radical. I don't know if I have the strength to do that. Apart from Christ, I know I don't have the strength to do that. Let me clarify. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I ask God, don't put me in those shoes, God, because I don't want to disappoint you. Please don't. <laughs> so that actually, because earlier you talked about um, speaking in tongues and your, your um, I think you said your, did you call it your, your heavenly language? Is that how you, okay. Mm-hmm. Where can someone go to read more about that? The book of Acts. Okay. Oh, the book of Acts is so rich about understanding the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, I think it's Second Corinthians. It's either first or second. I always get those confused. But um, also Paul mm-hmm. teaches about, um, you know, he says I, he, he prays in tongues probably more than anyone else. And he, he also says that I want, you know, it's, it's my heart that you also pray in tongues. But he also teaches us to, to desire the gift of prophecy probably more so than tongues because I, you know, I, I see in that, in that era, because the gift of tongues is, it's a miracle, it's a miracle, right? I mean, to receive a language, a heavenly language, or even a, another language that is not your native language, and you're able to speak in this language and somebody else can understand you. I mean, what a marvelous miracle that is. Um, so when people get, uh, you know, astounded by the things of God, just like the, the disciples that went out and were casting out demons, they come back because they're just wow, there's something supernatural that's happening here. So Paul does a lot of teaching about understanding this is a great gift, unless it's it's a word for the body of Christ where you get the interpretation, you know, this is a, this is a spiritual gift that's made for edifying you. So this is when I was talking about that time in the secret place with the Father and the abiding, um, being led by the Spirit is, is when you have that, spiritual language, the heavenly language, if you will, you're communing directly with the Father. So you're you're praying to the Father in this, it's your spirit man is actually praying for you. So the scriptures will even say, it's if you don't know what to pray for, just pray in the spirit because your spirit will, will intercede for you. Your spirit man will intercede for you because it knows what you need. You, your spirit man knows what you need. So um, it's a beautiful gift. It's a beautiful gift that is is free to all believers. The Father wants you to have it. It's 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 really takes you into a deeper level of spiritual prayer. Um, I, I've experienced time in prayer, even with praying for folks. You know, just sometimes, just a little bit of time and and praying in the Spirit. It's like you you can hear from the Father just a little bit clearer. Um, so it just like Paul said. I, I would say the same thing. I, I wish all believers would receive their prayer language through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's when the evidence of speaking in tongues is is evident in a person's life. It's it's when they receive the baptism. So um, it's a little bit controversial. If does that mean if I if I don't pray in in you know tongues? I was that, actually going to say, go ahead. Yeah, that I you know I I'm not baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's no real hard um, scriptural evidence to back that up. Uh, what we do know in the book of Acts is that um, most of the time when the scriptures referred to they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, 
they spoke in tongues. So that's why some people will say, that's how you know. That's how you know when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, because in the scriptures, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, then they spoke in tongues. Um, but there's, um, you know, when Paul was teaching, he was expressing that, I hope that you all speak in tongues. So, so does that mean that not everyone has that gift? Um, maybe they, you know, something they just need to pray more and just ask the Father and desire it in their heart. I want to pray in tongues. I know some people are afraid of it. I've heard of some people say, I'm afraid of that. You know, you'll pray for them to receive the baptism or for them to de- receive their spiritual language and they'll, they won't even take a leap of faith to open their mouth, to just allow it to flow. They, they're just a little closed off, you know. So um, I don't necessarily believe that if you don't pray in your spiritual language that you haven't been baptized. I know many believers who have experienced a lot of other miraculous moves of God that they know, that they know, that they know, that they are filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, so it, I would say that if you're not sure, if you're someone that's like, I don't know if I've actually received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't even know what this is. I, I don't even know what the baptism of If you're anything like me, I, I didn't know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was. So when I was asked if I ever received the baptism, I thought they were talking about water baptism. Yeah. And I, I said, oh, you mean beginning? I, yeah, I've been baptized before. Um, and they explained to me that it's actually the infilling of the Holy Spirit, uh, which is different than when the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you at the moment of receiving Christ through salvation, through your faith. It's when you you are filled with the Holy Spirit, like the upper room experience. So if you've had a radical encounter with the Holy Spirit, you're more than likely, you know, had a, a Holy Spirit baptism experience. When you think about water baptism, it everything we do in the natural lines up with, there's a parallel in the spiritual, right? So in the natural, you're taking a person and you're just like John did, you're submerging them underwater. They're dying to the old man and they're coming up new. In the spirit realm, you're submerging, you're being submerged in the Holy Spirit. You're being totally filled up by the Holy Spirit, totally being renewed, totally empowered by the Holy Spirit. So there is a um, an empowerment that comes upon you at the time of that baptism of the Holy Spirit. And often there's evidence of speaking in tongues because it says from the, you know, from the belly will flow you know, rivers of life, right? So it's like, I mean, you feel it. At the time that I received the baptism, I felt it coming from my belly. And it was almost like a push. And the, the you know, the tongues were just flowing from me. It wasn't even something I had control over. I I couldn't stop it if I wanted it, wanted to. You know, the Holy Spirit was just pouring out. When we talk about it, it was, it was flowing. It was flowing. Um and at that time, I was receiving, uh, you know, just some prophetic words from the Spirit. I, I was hearing, all will bow down. All will know the glory of God. That stood out to me like yesterday. I, I, to this day, it, it feels like it was just yesterday. All will bow down. All will know the glory of God. And that was basically um, just being able to interpret a little bit of what was going on between my spirit and and the Father in, in that moment. Um, so... Um, really understanding what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I would re- definitely, a good place to start in the Word is the book of Acts. Um, there's a lot of uh, books that men and women of God have written about um, 
understanding the baptism. So tongues is just one aspect of it, right? So you're, it's an empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about preaching the gospel, there's a boldness that comes upon you, right? So if we live in America today where you can preach the gospel on every corner and you're pretty much safe. Somebody might drive by and scream some nasty words at you, but you're pretty safe, right? If you were the men and women of the Bible, the days of the apostles, and you knew that there was a possibility that you were going to be hung on a cross, you were going to be skinned alive, you were going to be beheaded, tortured for preaching the gospel message of Jesus Christ, you're going to need the boldness of the Holy Spirit. And that was a part of the baptism was that boldness that came upon them, that they had the courage that even when they were captured by by uh, like the Sanhedrins and, and, and those that were, were ready to take them in and, and, you know, persecute them for what they were doing, they would say they would question them about their faith and they would say, yeah, and then they would preach the gospel to them. You know, they didn't bow down. They didn't back down. They didn't backpedal. They had a boldness that came over them that would say, absolutely. And I'm going to preach the gospel to you too. And then God always made a way out for them. But, you know, you have to have that boldness. So that's one of the the gifts of the baptism. Um, and then we talk about gifts of the Holy Spirit, which we haven't gotten into really yet, but to receive words of knowledge, receive words of wisdom, to, to have discernment over spirits, to uh, be able to prophesy. You know, there's, there's these gifts, you know, the tongues is one of them. Uh, they be able to be able to interpret someone else's tongue, to be able to give the message from the Father. All those things come through that baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was explaining to somebody recently, um, it's, it's an evidence of, not an absence of, because they were concerned about the Holy Spirit not working in their life. And I said, no, that's not what, what this means, you know? So there's, there's some, definitely some study and a doctrine that really thing needs to be, to be done around that. So that's another class we should probably teach more often here. So I'm just going to start signing you up for stuff. So <laughs> I'm an elder. I think I can do that now. I think I can do that now. Yeah. You, you got that ordination. You're going to use it. <laughs> I'm going to use it for good. I promise. I promise. I'm guaranteeing people listening just roll their eyes at that right now. <laughs> Crystal, thank you so much for being on here today. I, um, I w so actually I have one more question before we get into our let them know segment. Cause you mentioned this, what, what books or secondary resources do you recommend that, that you've read that you recommend on some of the topics we talked about anything that you want to, you want to throw out there? Sure. So um, for me, some of the, the greats, um, you know, we talk about those that have led revivals. Yeah, that's, that's a perfect way. Just like I, I really pray that tonight, um, just by sharing some of what the Holy Spirit have taught, has taught me, I have learned from some of the greats that have been able to pass down their personal experience with the Holy Spirit and their, how the Father has given them revelation of the Word. So I think of folks like Derek Prince. Um, Catherine Coleman's uh, ministry, um, the great uh, Zuzu revival, you know, st start doing some of your research about some of the big crusades that have happened and some of those big revivals and, and the men and women of God that have been used by the Father 
and they'll they'll share with you some of those the same keys and secrets um, on spiritual warfare. Uh, some of the uh, books I've read recently has been by John Ramirez, an ex Satanist who really knew really knows the spirit realm from the other side. And when Jesus got a hold of him, he's been able to be very effective in uh, spiritual warfare. Uh, so, some folks that come out of witchcraft and, and, and all of that, they, they really understand the things of the spirit so they can teach you from both sides of the house. So you understand your enemy and you understand also, um, you know, the parallels in the, in the spirit realm so that you understand the side that you're on, right? Right. Like, you know, the power through the blood and, and through Jesus Christ. So, um, some of John Ramirez's books, unmasking, uh, the devil, um, armed and dangerous. Um, and I can share a, a lot more that you can add to the, the podcast, um, information, but, um, yeah, definitely a lot of, a lot of good books out there. So that brings me to the final segment of the show, unfortunately, because um, I have enjoyed this time. So this is our let them know segment. So this is the opportunity for you to share anything you would like to share with the audience. So Crystal, let them know. Oh my, oh gosh. I would say that um, one thing I would, I would just want to let every Christian know is that we when you read the scriptures and you, you see the, the anointing that is on the life of the apostles and the men and women who walked in great power of the Holy Spirit, that was demonstrating that power where droves of people would come, where all would be healed, not just a select few, all were healed. All who were oppressed and demonized were set free. That same level of anointing is available for all of us. Some people say, oh, it's just the apostles. Well, that's not so true, because if you continue on in the scriptures, especially in the book of Acts, you see where other um, young men of the faith who were raised up under these apostles were walking in the same power and anointing. It comes through relationship, who you align yourself with, right? So, it's just like in the secular world on your job. If you wanted to become the next CEO, you're going to surround yourself with, with CEOs, right? right? Same thing in the spirit realm. Same thing in the Christian walk. Surround yourself with who you want to become. You know, Timothy was under, you know, Paul, right? So he was learning from one of the best, right? So he and all that... That wisdom, that knowledge, that revelation, those gifts, those were imparted into him through laying out of the hands. He was able to impart, uh, you know, that anointing. Um, also, you 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 gotta be hungry for it, right? So, it, it's not enough to just f- fill a pew in the church, right? To sit in the pew and to receive on Sunday, to, to walk away with something that, yeah, it, it edified you, it built you up, you, you, were, you served in the house of God, you heard the word of God, and you have this great gift and, and message on the inside of you, but you do nothing with it. Yet we have to know that the Great Commission was for all of us. And just like we said earlier, we were all called to lay hands on the sick and for them to recover. We were all called to cast out demons. We were all called to go to the ends of the earth and preach the gospel. We need to seek 
what God has to offer us, right? We need to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit so we can be empowered by the Spirit of God to walk in boldness. Because, yeah, we, we live in America right now. We have freedom, some freedom to uh, a freedom of speech, freedom of religion. and But, uh, you know, times are getting pretty dark out here, right? Sometimes it makes you wonder how long those freedoms are going to be available. You got to have the boldness. Um, so when the Holy Spirit um, began working through me, where I, where I have been blessed and honored, so, so blessed and honored, so humbled to see the power of the Holy Spirit move, it came through desperation, it came through hunger, it came through praying and asking for it from the Father, just like he said, if, if, if your natural father when you ask him for bread, he doesn't give you a stone. How much more would I not give you the Holy Spirit? We just have to ask for it. And then when he empowers you with it, you have to be willing to humiliate yourself for it. You have to be willing to walk up to somebody and say, I believe the word, I believe the Father just gave me a word of knowledge about you. And, and speak that even if you, did I really hear from the Father? Was that the Father? Um, you have to be able to, to uh, if you feel you discern that somebody's carrying something, that you can pray with them to be, for them to be set free and actually speak to that, that demon that's in them and say, okay, your time is up, buddy. You know, uh, you, you've just been evicted. You're going today. And, and to walk in that, like in order to embody, you know, who we are as Christians and knowing who we are in Christ is, is to, is to have hum- humbleness, right? That humility to be willing to step out and out of our comfort zone to be, to be embarrassed, to, to be rejected, to be persecuted, to, to be all those things. Right. So he started to work through me when I said, I am here. I'm a willing vessel. I want to be used by you. And I started really just spending time in the secret place and abiding with Christ and digging into scriptures, what does it mean to abide in Christ? How do I abide in the vine? How do I stay plugged in so that I could bear fruit? Then I learned about the crushing season, and that was like, oh. But all that bitterness that had to be crushed out of me, um, you know, that comes through dying to your dying to oneself. You know, when he says that, um, pick up your cross and die daily, he means it. So it, it's it's when you take it to another level um, of believing it and, and being a doer of the word and not just a hearer of the word, things start to change. So I, I guess I just sum that up to if you want to see the Bible man, it's manifest itself and come to life and really see yourself in Christ, there's a, a dying to oneself that has to take place and there has to be a desire and a hunger to go after it and be willing to step out. Wow. Hey, man, thank you so much for that. I think it is only right that you close us out in prayer before we go, okay. if you don't mind. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I should have asked first. <laughs> I kind of did. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm honored. Thank you. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we just we just thank you for tonight, Lord God. I just I just give you all the glory tonight, Lord. I just praise you for being the most excellent teacher, Father God. And I we just thank you right now for every listener who 
will take something away from this message, Father God. I just, I just ask right now, Holy Spirit, because we know there is no time and space in the things of the Spirit, Father God, that you can supernaturally touch the lives of those listeners right now today, Father God. So I, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would begin to break strongholds off of people's lives tonight, Father God. I pray right now that those that may be struggling with any form of addiction, any form of sickness in their body, Father God, that they would grab a hold of this prayer right now, that they would just declare and decree and receive from the Holy Spirit right now today that there is freedom that's available to them through Christ. Christ, that all they have to do is just just cry out to the Father, Lord, to have a repentant heart, Father God, to just invite you in, Lord, and allow you to begin breaking off those things from their lives. So I, ju- I just pray right now, I thank you, Father God, for the move of the Holy Spirit that is breaking down walls, Father God, right now. Father God, we, we just thank you for the word that went forth today, Father God, that Folks would just begin to dig into the word to get to know you on a deeper level, to get to know their their identity in you, Father God. So I, I just thank you right now that you are just drawing men, women, and children by your spirit, Father God, right now, even as, as they're hearing this prayer, Father God. I just I pray right now, Father God, that you would just stir up a hunger on the inside of every listener, Father God, that they would just hunger for the deep, just riches of what you have, Father God, to offer through your word, through communion with you, that they would begin to know who they are in Christ, Father God, and begin to just walk out that journey, Lord. So we just thank you right now, Father, for all that you're doing, Lord. We give you all the glory and honor and praise tonight, and we pray this in your son's precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Crystal, thank you so much for doing this for us tonight. We really appreciate it. Um, If you are looking for a way to to get a hold of Crystal, we will also have that in the comment section for you. Um, As always, please like, follow, share, and subscribe no matter where you're watching this, whether it's Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube. It really helps us get the word of Jesus out. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Crystal, thank you once again. We're going to have you back on the show to do this again. Thank you so much. So honored, Eric. You're awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Glory to God for that. So thank you so much for being here tonight. And um, I look forward to seeing you on Sunday. I'll see you Sunday. See you Sunday.